Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano and welcome to the Harpen on Rugby podcast, an audio companion to the Leinster and Ireland rugby fan site, harpenonrugby.net. We are now available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Dogcatcher, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and Bojo. Now, it's very possible I made up that last platform, but if you're on any of the others, please hop on and subscribe. This week, we'll be going with a slightly different running order. The Harpen Point will come first, then the 80-word reviews, which this week feature all of Ireland's World Cup Pule opponents. Then we have this week's back-and-forward chat, where my guest is longtime Harpen contributor and commenter, Kian O'Muller. So without any further ado, let's crack on with this week's show. Here's my Harpen Point, which is this week is titled, Turnaround Times Need a Changin'. When I'm covering Leinster A matches at Energia Park, Donnybrook, I get to sit beside the coaching group of the visiting team. Obviously, I would never reveal anything I hear from them, but let's just say it does afford me an insight as to the kind of involvement they have, not only in what's happening on the pitch, but in the fortunes of the squad throughout the week leading up to the match. A lot of commenters say that the subject of turnaround times is irrelevant, because we're talking about fully fit professionals who should be able to adjust their training regimes to allow for shorter times between matches. This might be true to an extent, but I think those of us who love the game yet aren't players or coaches should be looking at it from the opposite angle for their sakes. For me, the main reason this is even an issue in the sport is that ever since William Webb Ellis first picked up a ball and ran with it, allegedly, many of the Likadoos, particularly the British ones, have tried to copy the organizational model of soccer. Just a few examples. In England, they have a premiership and a championship, same as the round ball code. And when the RFU threw a strop that led to the end of the Heineken Cup as we knew it, they not only rebranded it as, as the Champions Cup to resemble UEFA's Champions League, they devised a similar logo and actually had a theme song composed to play before matches. In fact, even the hallowed Six Nations origins can be traced back to the time of the formation of what used to be known as football's home international championship. And then there's the Rugby World Cup. The original competition in 1987 had four pools of four. Now, soccer versions had actually expanded to 24 teams at that stage, but the 16-team format had been the norm for decades. And although the IRB World Rugby did eventually go their own way to the five pools of four we have now, that in itself presents its own problems. Having odd numbers of teams in each pool means that in order not to make the tournament last too long, fixtures have to be shoehorned into Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and I can only assume that they feel this is acceptable because soccer also has midweek matches. But the result of this is a number of five and sometimes even a ridiculous four-day turnarounds for the competing nations, and when you can only rest eight players at a time, this represents a major headache to coaches and a dangerous prospect for players. Allowing for extended squads cannot be the answer because that is likely to place an undue financial burden on lower-ranked nations. The only answer can be to find a tournament format that adheres to a strict principle of guaranteeing every team a minimum of six days between matches. My suggestion would be to expand to 24 teams who are put into eight pools of three with cross-pool fixtures giving all the teams three matches before the top two in each go forward to a 16-team knockout phase. That would still allow for a maximum of seven matches per team, and if the pools had specific days assigned, the turnaround times could be controlled. But it's certainly not about what I think should happen. Like all the topics on which I harp, I'm only trying to get a discussion going, and it's up to the powers that be to acknowledge that the status quo is clearly untenable. And in this particular area, since so much lip service is being paid to player safety these days, then surely something will have to change soon. Right, that's my Harpen Point for this week. Now it's time for some 80-word reviews.
Now it's time for our 80 word reviews where I give some brief summaries of the latest performances by teams on Ireland's radar. This week we featured the last World Cup warm up for each of our World Cup Poulet opponents. Scotland 36, Georgia 9. Blair Kinghorn started the first try scoring move and finished the second before going off for HIA, but the overall theme from the first 68 minutes was that the Scots missed Russell as Hastings often struggled to get them going. Without offering much, Georgia were only 9-17 down before three very late scores made the result flattering. Scotland will hope for better discipline in Japan, as well as making more use of the talent in their back three, like Man of the Match Darcy Graham. Japan 7, South Africa 41. Japan won all their 2019 Pacific Nations Cup matches by building an early lead, yet they took 59 minutes to score against a physical Springbok D. Also, Fukuoka's early injury will be a concern. Meanwhile, Ireland were getting a free clinic on how to attack the Brave Blossoms as de Klerk and Pollard showed the perfect amount of patience via territory and box kicking before chances opened up for tries from wingers Mopimpi 3 and Colby 2, banishing all thoughts of a 2015 repeat. Russia 14, Connett 42. The difference between Connett and an American election? Only one has had problems with the Russians. That may seem harsh as the Bears gave the Moscow crowd some reasons to cheer, but over the 80 minutes, the Westerners' strong squad, including transfers from all of the other three provinces, was way too good for them. Centers Daly and Farrell particularly impressed in a physical contest that ended in a tri-count of 2-6, including two similar late ones from winger Stephen Fitzgerald. Australia 34, Samoa 15. Some say the margin flatter check is men, but I respectfully disagree. Sure, reserve Samoan scrum half Palatavau got two second half tries to get within seven, but the four shipped before the break, plus two more laid on, plus the six lost lineouts, plus the 46 missed tackles add up to a bad night in my book. If Foley had his kicking boots, they'd have won by more, but overall a comfortable outing for a Wallaby team more possible than probable. That's it for my reviews this week. Now it's time for our back and forward chat, which this week features my fellow panelists from the D2 bar last Friday, Kian O'Miller. Now it's time for our back and forward chat, where I'm joined by a fellow egg-chasing nut to harp on topical matters from the game past and present. This week, my guest is a longtime harp and contributor and commenter. He's a founder member of the legendary Lion Pit group of fans at the Anglesey Terrace at the RDS. He also runs a popular Twitter account, at Rugby Kino, it's K-I-N-O, that acts as a handy news aggregator. And last but not least, he's also a keen purveyor of the wonderful world of wizardry, that is statistical analysis. Welcome to the pod, Keanu Miller. Thanks very much for having me, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. No problem at all. Kian was also a fellow panel member from last Friday's uh, live event, the Dugout in D2 Bar. How do you feel after all that? Uh, you know, it's it, it's hard coming to terms with the newfound fame, but uh, you know, get just getting there day by day. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. You know, the fan the fan base the fan base is ever expanding for us both. You know, but uh, no, it was quite a night. Like you know, we we kind of felt uh, felt different on stage with with the you know two of us from the internet on one side and two guys who have actually played the game and on the other side. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, it- in all honesty, it was it was it was really a lot of fun. Uh, I was dreading it beforehand because public speaking is not my normal forte. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was such a good night. Yeah, you did great. We did we did uh, 
I think we did pretty well. Um, now, what we usually do with guests here is we uh, look back to your contributions to Harping on Rugby. And um, I, I found your first, the first post you did for us. It was back from March 2013. I don't know if you remember, it was called Stat of the Nation Address. I do. I remember it well. And uh, I have a quote. I have a quote here from you, and I, and I have a quote here from that piece. And I, I, I have to say, I cannot argue with this at all. Okay. Uh, the quote is uh, in the final graph. I've included a six-order polynomial trend line, which correlates to the filtered data set with an R-squared value of 0.82. Um, so the yeah yeah the the the, the polynomial <laughs> um, trend lines. I'd forgotten how in depth I'd gone on the uh, on the trends on that. It was it was at the very beginning of my interest in um, statistical analysis. Um, and I really got into it. <laughs> well, I mean, I tell you, the I mean, it's 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 a sought after um, realm because uh, the coaches. I mean, the coaches really really need those stats. You know, they they they. they they're they're always looking at computer screens and they're looking at printouts and it's it's a big part of the game right now so it's you know it's it's definitely not to be sneezed at that's for sure oh absolutely and um i, I think one of the most surprising things is even since that um that was done and that's back in 2013 there's far more scope and interest in statistical analysis and just general stats uh in the the greater public uh in terms of their consumption of uh, rugby news and rugby information Oh, absolutely! It's it's ever growing as well. I mean, uh, I, I I don't. If anything, I don't think there's enough categories that are covered by the stats. Like when when you hear from matches, like one of one of my bugbears is uh, lineouts. You you hear a team won eleven out of twelve lineouts, but how many of them were actually clean? How many of them were actually you know as they were intended? You know, they they just they go by which team ended up with possession, but that's not always. That's not what the coaches want to see. They want to see. Absolutely, it's like a missed tackle is where a tackle's not a com- not not to completion, but that might not be yeah. the, the point of the tackle in the first place. Uh, it might have been a soap tackle because they knew that it was a it was they're, they're, they had someone else coming in to finish the job and put it in put them in a good position then for potentially getting into a turnover rook situation. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, now let's talk about your um your your own the, well your. General um, Leinster fandom. Um, you, uh, you, you, how long have you been at Leinster season ticket holder? Um, since two thousand and nine, um, uh, and I, I joined Twitter as Rugby Keno at the same time. I, I, I went wholeheartedly into the into into the sphere of rugby. I was pretty late to the game. Um, <laughs> I only really started getting into it, it towards my uh, towards the end of my twenties. Um, but I uh, once once I once I found it, I knew I found my my space. And um, so I, I joined Twitter and uh, started Rugby Kino. Brilliant. And um, Rugby Kino account now, did the, the, had, you have some kind of way that that finds, finds the right news to put out there, is it? Yeah, I won't go into the technicalities of it. Um, no. Basically, I, uh, <laughs> in, uh, it was 2011, uh, I busted up my knee really badly, uh, again playing rugby. And um, I was uh, a, little bit, a, little bit, a little bit bored and sore. Um, and I, 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 I realized that there was no nowhere I could go on, on Twitter or the internet. Um, it was really Twitter is what I was into at the time, uh, where I could get all my rugby news in one place. So I decided, well, I'll just build it. And just as a hobby, I, I, I put it together with, with, with bots and 
various publications and, and and reputable blogs, and it just grew from there. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, like that, that I mean, that's how you establish yourself, kind of online. I mean, people people do actually quote rugby Kino, like you know, that's that's quite a that's that that's quite an achievement. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do it with a meaning to with an idea of being a a, a, a Twitter personality of, uh, to any extent. Um, I. I I for, for a moment assumed I'd be on a stage with uh, people who'd actually played international or uh, or, or yeah. be. This is this is the age in which we live. There's opportunities for all of us. You know yourself. Yeah, it was around the same time, 2011, 2012, that the Lion Pit started coming together as an idea. Um, it was myself and some friends. We wanted to come up with uh, basically we, we had the idea that that the terrace uh, deserved the or, terrace of the audience deserved its own identity. You know, it kind of needed its own. Um, I won't say voice because we don't speak for everyone on the terrace, but but an identity, some something that um, people could kind of hang their hat on. You know, um, mm-hmm. that was owned by the supporters rather than driven by the by the organisation itself. And uh, that 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 uh, culminated then in, in in us getting the uh, the banner set up, and then in 2014 starting the Twitter and the Facebook accounts, and really just giving kind of a, a community space or trying to um, for kind of for 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 the the hardcore terrace Leinster fans and other Leinster fans, um, and just to be able to have a space to uh, get the news in regards to Leinster and have something. And uh, what it's like, what is it like there in the terrace? Is it like is it always the same people at the you know is it a real sort of a kind of kind of a camaraderie kind or do do faces come and go over the years no there it, there's there's very much a continuity of of people and faces that uh, you see uh, year after year and it's great you know there's a real camaraderie amongst the regulars um and uh, I think that's what gives the terrace such an impetus to uh, to get the roar going, uh, to really stuck in with making noise, and uh, then that, I think that 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 spurs on um, a lot of other people in the in the stadium to do the same. Absolutely, and you're in a good position as well because I mean yours you're you're situated right beside where the team comes out, so um, so the the, the 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 attention of the whole stadium is kind of on that part of the ground anyway when 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 the when the match is really about to take off at the RDS, you know. Oh, that's it. It's 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 every match that we want them to know that we're there supporting <laughs> them when they're when they're running out on the pitch, when they're running off at halftime, when they come back on and at the end of the game, regardless. And is there a core? There's a core group of you, isn't there? Do you want to give a give a give a bit of a shout out there? There is a core group of us. Uh, there's um, myself, Mick, Zohar. I mean, there's 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 about uh, there's about eight or nine of us now um, as a group. Um, it seems to be growing every year, and we you know we always make sure we got got the season together for the um, for the matches in Lansdowne Road as well. Um, well, that's 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 great. Now we want to move on to the actual rugby. Now we're going to have a quick look at Ireland, but I want to talk mostly on Leinster. But first of all, we'll we'll look at the World Cup. Um, so well, we we did a lot of chat at uh, D to about it but just to just to go over it again like you know now that the the warm-up matches are over the squad has been pretty much mostly past fit and um we we kind of know where we're going with all that well what what do you make of our chances i think they're pretty good um i joe has lined us up quite nicely um it was going to be always a very tough run against england uh straight off off the plane almost um from from 
from hot weather camp. Um, but I, I, I almost wonder if he had it planned that way. Um, he knew it was going to be a very tough match, and he knew legs were going to be tired um, and stiff and sore and slow, um, and that the fitness wasn't going to to last the full eighty. So um, you saw kind of twenty minutes or thirty minutes of fitness in the first match, an hour in that second match against Wales away, uh, but then. The, the effects now of the fitness we saw in the in the match at home against Wales that was a, that was a full eighty, a very fast, energetic full eighty, and more. They looked like they could have played for another twenty minutes. Yeah, big time, and they and and let the other team have the ball as well, and just tackle, tackle, tackle into oblivion. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and as, as you know, I mean, defense wins World Cups. Big time, and uh, they they were really on the ball. I was really impressed with that. I mean, I'm a kind of a defensive nerd in that respect. I'm more almost more looking at that than than I am what we're doing with the ball. And um, the, 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 that match on Saturday, they they really they really got it to they really had it at full capacities. Even the even or should I say, almost especially the bench. Uh, yeah, I mean the the, the continuity um, of the bench coming on was uh, wonderful to see. Um, given how energetic and ferocious and strong we were in in defence and how quick we were up in in that defensive line, um, you know that can that can that can be difficult to maintain um, when you're bringing on a, a raft of substitutions. But it didn't drop an iota. And how do you see and in, and when you relate that into our actual um, schedule of pool matches, like how how do you think how can you see how can you see our schedule going with regards to the squad and everything? Um, I think it's been timed to really well. Uh, we are just going to be hitting our peak uh, right in time for that first match, and hopefully we'll break our duck of slow starts at a World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's all signs are good at the moment. Okay, well that positive vibes, and hopefully they hopefully they continue uh, when when we get closer to the the event itself. It's it's only a couple of weeks away now, but um, but plenty of time to be chatting about it before that. But what I want to do mostly today is uh, go on a different little tack and look at Leinster. Just before I discuss Leinster with Kino, I hope he doesn't mind if I interrupt for a moment to give a shout out to The Art of Rugby, who kindly sponsored a competition for us on Twitter this week. The Art of Rugby, creating beautiful prints and t-shirts of iconic rugby moments and memories of your club and country, shipped worldwide from the home of rugby. Check them out at art-of-football.com slash collections slash rugby. Now we return to the chat. Because um, they're playing, as you know, uh, they're playing Northampton on Thursday, and um, and after that, it's the well, the end of the month, the twenty eighth, I think. We played Benetton in our first game, and uh, just want to, you know, see what you think about Leinster's chances, just mostly for that first block of the season, maybe up to maybe up to Christmas, and the, the kind of squad we'll have for for that period. Yeah, I was having a quick look at this. Um, I'd almost forgotten there was going to be a, a club rugby season. Um, and I was having a look. And first of all, I had a look at the schedule. And, you know, a couple of decent uh, matches to ease, ease ourselves in. We've got Benetton uh, away, then Osprey's at home, Edinburgh at home, and away. Mm-hmm. You know, Dragons, Dragons at home. That's all fine and good. It's 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 in around just after the World Cup. It's eighth of November. We've got Connacht away, away, Ulster at home, Munster away. And then, I know. And then yeah. And that Glasgow game. game. That Glasgow game is in one week in between two bouts of of uh, double Champions Cup weeks. That's it's it. like it's it's uh, it's 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 going to be a high octane thing. I mean, whoever comes back from the World Cup, we're going to need them pretty much raring to go. You know. 
Yeah, uh, this is where you have to decide if you want us to uh, stay on for those extra couple of weeks I or know. not. <laughs> well, no, they, you know, when, when they win, they'll be on such a high, they'll be keen to play again. You know yourself, you know. So. <laughs> the issue is we're really not going to see the guts of the traveling squad back until after Christmas. And that that's because then I had a look at the um, the, 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 the squad, minus, minus the World Cup um, players, um, players who were heading, heading over the squad. And this is any other call. Which, which are going to happen um, so at the moment we've got um, Dan Levy is out long term uh, James Lowe Scott Penny Gibson Park and Hugo Keenan are all nursing injuries or rehabbing I don't think they're going to be out for very much longer I think they're, they're, they're t- but barring those injured players or those rehabbing um, I was having a look at our um, at our stocks and the cupboard is running a bit bare in places um, most notably tight head prop Vak Abdeladze is our, is our only specialist tight head prop I mean Michael Bent can have a job there um other than that we've no one <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that's i think that. they're gonna rely heavily on bent there they're just i think they're just gonna just gonna keep him on that side because we've got sort of ed Byrne and dooley can do can, yeah. can after the store on the other side yeah absolutely um and then at hooker we're, we're actually we're absolutely fine we've got tracy and then Byrne and Kelleher behind him um which is absolutely fine and yeah um and then at lock we actually have an embarrassment of riches you know we've uh devon toner scott farney and ross maloney so i've got a feeling uh, that 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 is that's the spine of the team right there is going to be in the locks i think to be, to be <laughs> frank uh you got two really good on-field leaders there in in both in Fardy and toner um and then in the back row i, I think deegan i think deegan's really going to come on in leaps and bounds now in the next couple of years i think he might uh this might be the time the time for him yeah. to really to really to really break through he just he finds a way to get involved whatever he whatever his role is in a match he he, he gets himself uh, he gets himself stuck in you know Oh, absolutely he is he, he is a he's, he's a powerful powerful guy um, it's really great to see him when he when he does get a bit of space he, he absolutely nails it and it, it's yeah. great to watch um, and I think as you said this is this is an opportunity for him to really put his stamp and put his mark and say this is my jersey uh, you know you, you're going to have to earn it back um, when, you, when you're done with the World Cup mm. and then in the backs um, well uh, Gibson Park is uh, well, he's qualified now for uh, for Ireland, which means which doesn't mean he'll get get straight in the squad, but it helps us in that it, that 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 whole Fardy low Gibson Park triangle thing is all gone now, which is brilliant. It is unfortunately it also means he could actually get caught up as well. Yeah, well there is that. Technically, it's but, unlikely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He need a couple of injuries there, but I think for this for this period uh, for this period now he'd be good in terms of leadership as well. You know. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, he is. Uh, he's he's matured an awful lot over the last season. I thought um, he really came on in terms of um, on-field personality um, and a, um, a steadiness to to his um, performances in the last season um, that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's another thing. You know, fly half. We've got Ross Byrne. I mean, it was obviously it was a shame he didn't make the um, make the cut for Japan, but that means that we we get his services and. Uh, we got himself, his brother Harry, and uh, Kieran Frawley at uh, at half. What what do you think will happen there? 
Yeah, um, I think I think Ross is going to be a little bit. I mean, Ross has been fantastic for us last season. Don't get me wrong, but uh, his little brother um, is going to be very much snapping at his heels. I know Kieran yeah. Crawley's in there as well, and is is no slouch either. So uh, yeah. I mean, they, they are three young fly halves, but uh, they're all very talented. Oh, big time, big time, and there's plenty, plenty of scope to, uh, to 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 give them all game time, I suppose, over over that over that period of time. Might even see two fly halves um, on the pitch at once. Uh, first and second receiver depending on how things are going um, moving out to moving out to the centres um, seem to it's Conor O'Brien O'Loughlin and Tamani would seem but as you say yourself there's other people that can go and chop and change around but they seem they seem the main the main options there yeah yeah to be honest I, I, I'm I'm I think you might see Fergus McFadden uh, playing in centre uh, in a couple of matches you know just give it that uh, that, that seniority and that match experience uh, at centre I, I think more so than at wing um, so I, I and we actually have a number of wings still uh, there yeah. so I think um, matching him up with um, with Rory O'Loughlin is probably our, our kind of our front our, our first 15 pairing um, absolutely that's all a good shot all the young players are going to see time yeah, because Connor, yeah, Connor O'Brien is a he. He's he. I think he's a real. It's a real prospect. He's he's coming up sort of in the the Robbie Henshaw mold almost in in, in his strength and his uh, his ability to break the line and and that. So he might he might see some game time too. But you're right. You want that for that seniority. You'd want someone like uh, someone like Ferg in there. And like you say, we've loads loads of wingers like Whoa, Adam Byrne, Dave Carney, Barry Daly. I mean, you know, they 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 can't all play. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to try and uh, fall back. There's Jimmy O'Brien and uh, well, who can also play centre and uh, Keller. So and of course, of course, Dave Dave Carney can can slot back there as well, and uh, maybe Adam Byrne as well. So there's a lot of lo- loads of options there. Yeah, the, the the back five is pretty well sorted. The, there's not really much to worry about there. I I would imagine, yeah, as I said before, I think I think a linchpin of experience in the centres is probably going to be the way they go, um, and that gives them a little bit more freedom to um, go with either kind of a, an open running fullback or you know or Dave Carney, for example, as as someone with a bit more experience as well, and just give it that spine. Absolutely. Finally, we'll, we'll look at um, Leinster's uh, Champions Cup pool. Leon have gotten off to a a decent enough start in France and uh, there's Benetton and Northampton as well how do you how do you see that going for us um, to be honest I think we've been blessed uh, in one way uh, you know I mean we spent how many years have we spent uh, wishing for an Italian team to be in our group in Europe and then when we get an Italian team in our group in Europe they happen to be pretty good yeah damned if you do and damned if you don't but that said it's 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 not the it's by by far not the hardest group we've ever had uh, in Europe um, it looks relatively navigable uh, I mean there's no there's no guarantees and again especially in a World Cup year but it looks doable well thanks for that uh, Kian. Um we've we, we, we've sorted it all out now and um, and and, when, and we, we we know we know how Leinster are going to go um Okay, we're going to finish this up now, and I'm going to do this thing I was telling you about. It's just a little game I have uh, where I – it's called Association Rugby. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to fire um, 10 uh, kind of rugby terms and phrases at you, and um, you just say the first thing that pops into your head. Is that okay? There's no right, wrong answers. It's just to see what you say. And um, it can be one word, two words, or anything like that, and we'll, we'll just see how we get on, okay? I'll try my best not to swear. Starting now. Open side. Blind side. Lineouts. Bar. Scotland. Next year. Box kick. Not again. Japan. Land of the Risings. Rankings. 
Meaningless. Russia. Not getting out of the pool. Wayne Barnes. Not again. Samoa. Big. Legend. Bod. Okay, Kilo, that was brilliant. Well, thanks for that. Well, hopefully, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good World Cup to talk about in the, in the coming weeks. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, I'd be glad to do it. Thank you. Thank, th- thanks again for having us on. The Harpen and Rugby podcast is brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store. Head over to shop.irishrugby.ie to look at the latest ranges, including the new Ireland jerseys from Canterbury. That's it for now. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, check into the blog harpenonrugby.net for our regular content, which includes TV rugby listings on Thursday, a video on Friday where I'll look at Leinster's hopes for the 2019-20 campaign. Plus, on Saturday, I'm hoping to do a live blog from Leinster A's Celtic Cup clash with Ulster at Energy Park Donnybrook. Keep up to date with our content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the main website. If you'd like to get in touch, by all means leave a voicemail via our anchor.fm page or even just email me at paganoblog at gmail.com. This week's final whistle quote is from former quarterback for the Washington Redskins, Joe Theismann, but it is actually about rugby. Rugby is great. The players don't wear helmets or padding. They just beat the living daylights out of each other and then go for a beer. I love that. 